even last year when COVID very first hit was they were expecting this big bubble, this big crash. And nothing, there's been no bubble or no crash. I mean, we've been hearing about a bubble and a crash for years now. And in fact, all that's happened is the prices continue to go up. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, coming back for another episode. Today, I get to interview Rebecca Hidalgo-Rains. She's with the Berkshire Hathaway Home Services out in Arizona. All sorts of things we're going to talk about. She's done, uh, you know, doing a ton of transactions. Uh, so really succeeding in real estate has some extra, has some other like fun activities that she's going to bring value and wait till you get to hear what the free gift, free cheat sheet she is that she's going to have us be putting in our uh, vault at Hyben Digital. Rebecca, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So uh, where do you live right now? Where do you practice real estate? Chandler, Arizona. We're a suburb just outside of the Phoenix metro area. Yeah. So the Phoenix right now is this is the is this the time of year where it's usually strongest? You know, I think from like November to now. Well, so we're we are typically everything's been untypical this last year, but typically right about now through March, April is when we get a ton, a ton of winter visitors in our area. Our weather right now, I, I think yesterday was mid seventies, short weather, flip-flop weather, golfing, great golfing weather. So we do get a huge influx of people. Most years it's because of the Phoenix Waste Management Open and Barrett Jackson and, and of course, spring training, which uh, is just going to be a little bit subdued this year thanks to COVID. Yeah, the, uh, it is beautiful out there. I spent Thanksgiving out in, uh, out in Scottsdale and we definitely oh. went, went golfing when we were out there and it's nice and, the, uh, and we did a little family reunion out in Chandler too. So definitely oh, know the area. area. Okay. Yeah, I know, I know your area. I know the premium time. I lived there many, many years ago for about oh, a year and uh, I only stayed there for a year and I was working at UPS and I was stalking the UPS trucks. And our shift was from like 10 at night to four in the morning because it was so hot out during the summer that mm -hmm. we, we couldn't have us be loading the trucks during the day or we would have died. And the second or third time, the second or third day, it was uh, abnormally hot for a guy that was from Southern Oregon. It was like oh. 100, 110, <laughs> like three days in a row. And I finally, I'm just driving, I'm driving back to Oregon. I can't, I can't do it anymore. But they the, do but, say it's a dry heat, so it's not as bad, but it, yeah. Now that I live in Austin, Texas, the 110 in Arizona is nothing compared to 110 in, oh, in gosh. humidity. I do love Austin, though. I have a couple of really near dear people to my heart living over there. I've gotten to be there a couple times this last year. It's gorgeous over there, but definitely a lot different climate. When it's 110 where you are, forget about it. Yeah, but it has everything has been abnormal. So what has real estate been like over the past year for you? What was it like in March and April mm. right after the world went weird? And then what's it been like since? So March was a little scary when the quarantine first hit. We had a lot of people in escrow freaking out, canceling. I had sellers having heart attacks, like, because we, we'd never run into anything like that. We had no idea what to expect. And a wonderful analyst I follow here in the Phoenix area is Tina Tambor. 
with the Cromford Report, and I quote her often on my podcast, uh, she had said, hey, guys, quit worrying. This is like a temporary kink in the hose. As soon as things let up, I promise you things will get better. And so April and May were the two months out of the entire year where maybe I could help a VA buyer buy a house for a good price and not have to be escalating and losing out because they were a government loan and they couldn't waive their appraisal. But by June, the hose bib came unkinked and we had record, record numbers. Uh, We blew records from 2005 through 2007. We never thought we'd come close to hitting again. And I saw a great meme the other day. And I, I, from what I hear, it sounds like it's across the country. But the meme was, uh, remember last spring when we were all looking for toilet paper? Yeah, that's pretty much what it's like to try to find a house right now. Yeah, it is absolutely what it's like trying to find a house right now. What kind of, how how many months of inventory do you have? Do you have a month of inventory out there? No, for the first time ever, we dropped below a month of inventory. We're actually at 0.6 months of inventory, which in a normal season, like a normal season for us, uh, we should see at least, I don't know, two to three months of inventory. They say an average or it's equal supply and demand between buyers and sellers would be four to five months. We haven't seen four to five months since probably the downturn, but it may, no, I take it back since like 2014 to 16, we had a little bit of a more of a buyer's thing, but today we are like the city of Chandler alone. We are number two in the state of Arizona behind Avondale for demand. Every listing currently has a Cromford index in, in Chandler and Avondale of 700 to 800, which basically means uh, equal supply and demand is 100, and that's eight buyers for every one house that's hitting the market. Oh my gosh, Avondale is there. So 20 years ago when I was out there, I lived in Avondale and there was nothing in Avondale. No, there was farmland in Avondale. And that's now uh, all brand new homes. That's where all the builders have gone the last few years to build. And that's become uh, the central hub for new construction. Man, I make myself sound really old. I remember when my parents used to tell me stories about that, and it just and it, and it just happened. It just happened to it me. Just oh, happened. yeah. yeah. The, before I before I knew it, now all of a sudden, I I'm, my kids are going to make fun of me when they go back and listen to that one. I say stuff like that all the time. I got licensed originally in '93, and I've been doing it full time ever since. So I look back and go, I, I don't feel like I'm that old, but I am. So I'm right there with you, Aaron. Yeah, we're struggling. So the so how so last year so then it got crazy. People started, you know, battling again for stuff. Mm-hmm. What's how big's your team? What how much how much volume did you do last year and and what's the average sales price out there? So our average sales price right now is about 450. A couple mm-hmm. years ago, we were, you know, easily in the lower 300s are I would say on average, the prices went up about 19% this time last year to today. Mm -hmm. And our team currently consists, my husband and I are partners. I Like I said, I've been doing this 28 years now. I've kind of ebbed and flow as the market has changed. We have a team and it's a convoluted answer. I apologize because I have some agents that work for me on my builder account. I do work directly for a builder as their sales manager. My husband and I work with our own sphere of influence and handle transactions ourselves with the help of our assistants. And then we have independent agents that are working in our office under our team umbrella. So when I say that, we have 19 licenses under my license, three of which are full-time admin assistants to my house, myself and my husband. We have probably, I don't know, six or seven that are truly independent agents and the rest of them either work on our builder account or they work with us on our Zillow account because we also do a lot of internet sales through Zillow. 
Awesome. So you got. Oh, and so I got, didn't answer your final question. We did 250 deals last year. So we had 101 uh, million in production. So 250 deals right around that 450, 101 million in production. Mm-hmm. And you're getting them from all sorts of different places. So they, sometimes, they, yeah. sometimes people are more buyer agents, more listing agents. Are you half and half because of how many resources you're using? Well, myself and my husband are primarily listing agents. We do help buyers who are, you know, are sellers at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of the number of years, I will tell you the number one thing every agent I think fails at for the most part out there is they don't stay in front of their past clients and their spears. And I've done, I think, a really good job of doing that by, you know, speaking a lot on my podcast and having a really good database that I follow up with on a regular basis. We do contests, we do client appreciation parties because at the end of the day, somebody that we might meet with Zillow could still introduce us to family and friends or be a future client down the road if we take good care of them and really work our sphere of influence. That's a great point. Like you can be a buyer's agent for a while and if you just keep Mm -hmm. in contact with all of your clients and eventually you're going to be a seller's agent, eventually you're going to be on the listing side. Yeah, event like I when you talk about feeling old, Aaron. You know, these days I am uh, selling houses to my clients' kids because I sold and bought homes with them so many times over the years. Now they're making sure their kids come to me. So yeah, that helps make me feel really old. But it just shows the power of staying in touch and you know being being that source for like when we have clients that need help with contractors remodeling, updating. I'm always the first call for a lot of them because they want to know who the AC company I use, who the flooring guy is that I use. And that just gives you know a reason to keep in touch and keep the communication going. It's to me probably the number one thing that has done that I've done personally to stay ahead of whatever market we're in, because it's all about, in my opinion, re- building good relationships and keeping those relationships thriving. Yeah. So the so tell me so one of the questions I've been asking everybody is you know, the first one is how to, what advice do you give people to survive 20, this next year, 2021? Like what's the, what's the, oh, and are we thing? talking people like agents or are we talking buyers and sellers? You know, the, uh, you, you choose. So it's mostly toward agents, but we're, but we give all sorts of life advice too. So right. if you're going to, if you're going to have one pitch for what to, how to succeed in 2021, what would you say? I would honestly say I just got off of a zoom call this morning with a half a dozen or well, more than a half a dozen of my agents. And I was sharing with them the story of some clients that I, you know, yesterday they, they took their ball and went home. And I joke and I say that it's not funny because they were really upset. They had lost out on a couple of bidding wars, one of them against 44 other people. They made an offer on a house listed at 369 here in Phoenix, and it was grossly underpriced. The agent purposely wanted to get a, a feeding frenzy going, and they did. So at the end of the weekend, they ended up with 45 offers, ours being one of them. And we did a lot of tricks that would normally win, but sadly it went for 422,500. That is for a first time home buying couple, 53,000 that they just couldn't make that jump. So what I shared with my agents this morning, I, the, besides that story, I said, well, what are you doing A, to keep yourselves optimistic because you need to be the cheerleader to keep your clients in the game. You know, it's very frustrating and, you know, it's not for everybody, but you have to remind them why, you know, why are they looking to buy a home today? What do they need? Because we all need housing. And, you know, a lot of them shared with me their response 
what I kept hearing from a lot of them say was, well, we're, we're, tr- we're telling our clients not to get emotionally, too emotionally attached to any one house because there's a lot of offers that are being made on a lot of houses, but there's still a lot of houses hitting our market every day. It's just, you have to be Johnny on the spot and get in there right away. So I was kind of checking their temperature to make sure that they're, I, I'm a firm believer in that we create our realities by the way we, you know, the way we think, the way we, we perceive our situations. And so as long as my agents are staying positive and they can then turn around and be the cheerleader for when maybe our buyers or sellers are feeling a little dismayed. Today's market, let's not joke, every seller for the most part can sell their house for more than they ever dreamed. And they're not too sad, but those sellers a lot of times are also buyers because in order to sell, they have to go find something. And so, you know, they're also in the same boat as a lot of buyers are going through today and they get it and they get frustrated and they get upset and a lot of them just want to take their ball and go home. You can't let them do that because personally, in my belief, after 28 years of watching this business change all, every year, all the time, is that we don't know what's on the horizon, but we've been so low with interest rates for so long. There's really only one place that they can go. And my, everything I'm reading too, the demand is not going to slow down for us here in Arizona. I know Texas is another state that has huge demand as well. Uh, so when we're so short on housing for the amount of people moving here, it, it, there's only one place for it to go. So let's hurry up and help our clients, you know, get, stay in the game. Don't get disgruntled and you'll get them a house if you just dig your he- heels in and, pe- and persevere. Right. Imagine prices going up and interest rates going up, right? So you're telling yeah. them they're worried about prices going up or I can't afford this. You go, you really won't be able to afford it six months from now. Yeah, so yeah. The- I basically had to say that to them, uh, a client that just the other day. I'm like, I know, I know it's tough right now, but you know what you're looking at today is still better than what you're going to be looking at tomorrow if you put this off because you're frustrated today. Yeah. It reminds me of the bidding wars of 2005, 2006, 2007, where people would buy, especially new homes, they'd buy the new home in the first phase. And then by the time the last phase was out, prices had been raising and then people are start selling their new homes. They wouldn't even move into them. They wouldn't even move in. That was completely speculative. And I actually worked for a builder as a sales manager here in town when that happened. What we saw, right, it was like really 2000, late 2006 into 2000, beginning of 2007. Uh, what was interesting during that era is not only did people not move in, you know, we were trying to sniff out those speculative buyers. We all of a sudden started getting a bunch of cancellations on homes. And that's kind of like where we saw the beginning of the end during that era. But yeah, I mean, they, they would get under contract during the build time and make 50 to 60 grand in equity half the time before they even signed their loan docs. Yeah. we. I was a builder too. I was a builder in, in Southern California. And that was when we, we started to add things into the contract that said, you know, they weren't even allowed to resell in the neighborhood. So, or they weren't allowed, you know, we had first rider refusal, you know, to buy it from them essentially before someone else did. There were all sorts of different clauses that we'd put in there or not being able to sell until, you know, the community was fully sold out or something like that. Oh gosh. And then all of a sudden when the cancellations hit and people started backing out of contracts, then we had to start enforcing escal- or other clauses in our contract, like specific performance. I don't know if you got to that point, if you were building when things were crashing, but that was not fun times either. And I think that a lot of people still have PTSD from that era, whether it was the agents or the clients. Uh, so a lot, what I, I think that's another thing that I've heard so much of is a lot of people, even last year when COVID very first hit, was they were expecting this big bubble, this big crash. 
and not, there's been no bubble or no crash. I mean, I, we've been hearing about a bubble and a crash for years now. And in fact, all that's happened is the prices continue to go up as interest rates have come down. But again, rates are so low. I don't know. I feel like we've hit the floor. What do you think? Yeah, it's, I have always thought of real estate as an up and down. And I've always thought of it as an up and down because we were building new homes in 2005 and then we were buying foreclosures on the courthouse steps in 2009. And so we were seeing the cycle and we were betting on, was it, was this neighborhood safe to go back into yet? Because now months of inventory went under three, you know, with all the government intervention, now it's more, and I, you know, in last year I was going, there has to be a correction. There has to be a correction. And it feels more almost like the stock market to me where you go like, We'll have these ebbs and flows, but I do believe that 20 years from now, the stock market will be worth more. I believe 10, five years from now, the stock market. So it's, it's beginning to see it more as a, like almost like this linear asset of going like, yes, we will have ups and downs, but I don't see a 2007, 2008. I don't see what could make that 2007, 2008, but I didn't see COVID coming either. Right. So who knows? COVID. Oh, please. And there's always going to be that unexpectedness that we can't predict. Right. We don't have crystal balls, but we do have a lot of experience behind all of us that have been doing this for a really long time. And so I agree. I mean, there's always going to be the ebb and flows, but you only lose if you sell low and you bought high. And I think trying to time the market is near to impossible. So when people say that they want to wait till it's a buy, like I actually just did a podcast on this the other day, why not to wait until it's a buyer's market? Because guess what? When it's a buyer's market, that means whatever you buy today could very well go down in value tomorrow. That's why it's a buyer's market, because there's more houses out there than there are buyers. Today, we have way less houses then we have, you know, way less houses for all the buyers that we do have. And here in Arizona, I believe the stats were 3.2 million people lived in, in the metropolitan area during 2000. Today, we're at 5 million. Back then, 20 years ago, and because of the builders got burned so badly, the builders had been overbuilding right before the last crash. Mm-hmm. And then they stopped building, as you know, for a very long time. And they've started back up in the last five, six years but they have not been building nearly at the pace, nor can they because they don't have, A, the land. That's where Avondale blew up because, you know, there's only certain areas in our valley that allows for that much building. Avondale and Queen Creek are two of the main ones. But we're having lumber shortages. We're having contractor shortages. And as a result, we don't have nearly the homes that we need for the amount of people that are now living here. And, like, and there's no vacancy signs everywhere you go. Like, the apartments are full. We're in 05. I'm sure the same thing in California. We had a lot of condo conversions because all the apartment buildings were empty. Today, they're full and they keep building more and more of them because we don't have enough roofs for all the heads that are now living in Arizona. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal. But it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about RentReady. RentReady is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, 
that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many companies. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, Rent Ready, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, Rent Ready is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50, that's Rockstar50, and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code Rockstar50 to get Rent Ready for only $54. It's so, it's so wild. In 2006 or 2007, we had a bunch of lots in contract in Vistancia. So oh, the, Vistancia. right. So the, and it was, but it was right as the market was just starting to crash and right as we were starting to see some of those cancellations and it was really infecting our, impacting our Northern California stuff. And the, and we never end, and we ended up canceling. And then for so many years after that, you go like Arizona is so overbuilt and now like everywhere it's, corrected itself. So I can't wait to hear about like your podcast and kind of the big thing you've been working on. Before we jump into that, tell us about your free gift that, that you sent over. I think I think you called it your agent cheat sheet, right? Yes, I did. So last year, it probably last, I would say late spring, early summer, when we started seeing every listing was having multiple offers, I host a monthly mastermind in my office with agents from all over the valley, from all different companies. They're just cool, cool people I've gotten to be friends with over the years. And we get together once a month and we came together and basically said, what is working? What are you seeing on your listings? What is helping you get your, what, what offers are winning for your sellers? And so we came up with a list of basically 10 things to do to make sure you win every bidding war you enter. And quite frankly, if you followed everything on that list up until probably the last few weeks, I worked like a charm to get a house for every person. And I, and I say the last few weeks because two years ago today, we had 19,000 active listings here in Arizona. Today, we're less than 5,000. We are literally at a quarter of the number of homes that we had available just two years ago with more demand than we had two years. 5,000 listing and 5 million people. Tell me about the first two things on that list. So the number one thing on that list is literally no joke. And, and it works more times than not. From the minute our agents call to schedule an appointment, we have an app called Showing Time. I think everybody saw it hit the headlines yesterday because Zillow bought Showing Time, but we use it with our MLS here. If you can, get the agent on the phone. Get the agent on the phone or shoot them a text message. Like I say, from the minute that you're scheduling an appointment, you check in with them and see how they're going to handle multiple offers. And you basically schmooze the crap out of them. And what has happened is I can usually get more information out of those agents if my clients choose to make an offer on their house as a result. So we can make better offers with that amount of information because if the agent's being bombarded by gazillion agents, but most of them are just doing it on email or texting or what have you, you're just trying to set yourself apart and build that rapport and that relationship with the other agents. So when things get maybe a little, you know, close for them on their side trying to figure out offers, they're going to say, but you know, I really liked Rebecca because she was really cool and I can tell she'll be good to work with. So I tell my agents from the minute you call, you are selling yourself on why that other agent will want to work with you over somebody else. Yeah. 
I, I like that too. It's just the opening question of how will you handle multiple offers? Like cats out of the bag, there's going to be multiple offers on anything that isn't, you know, priced, you know, 50% too high. So how will you handle multiple offers that gets them started? And maybe they haven't even thought about that yet, but you could probably tell by their answer too how you're going to be, how you're going to start structuring your offer. Well, we're going to take our top five and then do this or whatever. Who knows? Just this morning, I was on the phone with an agent who told me she hates escalation clauses. She only wants highest and best. Agent yesterday loves escalation clauses. So, you know, finding out, well, what's important to the seller. If you, whatever information you can garnish will only help you make a better offer. And that other agent on the other side is not going to give you any information if you're not asking for it. And really, I do pride myself on trying to be as cool as possible to work with and as easy as possible to work with because I know when I'm the listing agent picking offers, if somebody comes across kind of rough and, and um, tough to work with, that's the one I'm telling my client, like, I don't know, that guy was kind of a jerk. Yeah, yeah. The offer seems pretty good, but this one looks really good. I mean, it's just human nature. You're going to be, even though it's not our choice, as you know, of what offer to go with, our clients always are going to be asking, well, which one would you go with and why? And so we have to be able to tell them. And I know that. So that's why when I'm working with somebody else, I'm trying to become their new best friend from the minute I call. Yeah. The Go ahead. I was saying item number two is basically the same thing, but for the lender to do the same. Because I know when I'm a listing agent, certain banks I've heard good things about, certain banks I've had great experiences with, certain banks I don't want to touch. But if I have a loan officer who's calling me or emailing me vouching for their client, I'm probably going to get a little bit more warm fuzzy. So when my, my clients ask me which offer to go with, I'm going to say, well, hey, Rebecca was pretty cool. And her lender, Joe, he was awesome. Like he already called and told me how great the people were and blah, blah, blah. So that's item number two is I basically, and I, I don't want to say require that my clients use one of my preferred lenders, but I do explain to them during a buyer consult that, if you choose to use Chase Bank or Wells Fargo or some of like a credit union, probably Navy Federal Credit Union, when we're doing multiple offer bidding war situations and I need an updated pre-qual, if it's at night or on the weekends, I might not get them to respond until it's too late. And so that's a challenge if you don't have a relationship with your lender who is willing in the middle of Super Bowl to send you a pre-qual because you need to get an offer in that night. Yeah. I like that. So reaching out to that agent, you know, being able to smooth that agent, talk to him and have the lender do the same so they get to, you know, remember you and think about you. So tell me about Grateful Heart, right? So tell me about Grateful Heart, what you're doing. How did you get there? I mean, I think that's part of your podcast and everything else now too, right? It is my podcast. Blah, right there. Right behind you. Everybody sees it. Behind me. Yeah. So I, on November 11th, of 2019, I went on the radio for the first time live and I loved it. It was super fun and talking about um, everything having to do with real estate, but Grateful Heart, the reason why I started it, and this is where I have to kind of start a little bit talking a little bit about my history in real estate. I originally was licensed in 93. I was 19 years old and I went and worked for my dad. He had tried to get me to come work for him at the age of 18. I'm like, eh, I don't want to work for you, dad. Sorry, no offense. And then I was going to college and working for an attorney at minimum wage, tired of getting yelled at by the attorney. You know, he'd you know bark, girl, coffee, you know, stuff like that. And he was not very fun to work for. So I think my dad had really good timing one day when he called me and he's like, hey, are you just going to come work for me or what? Okay, what do I need to do? So I went and got my real estate license and went and worked for dad for the first few years. I'm the youngest of six. And he had most of my siblings working for him at the time in one fashion or another. It was, it was, I learned a ton, but, you know, working with family can be tough. 
Shortly thereafter uh, graduation, I left him and went worked for Builders Direct for many, many years. So I have a very strong builder background. Needless to say, over the years, though, you know, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know a lot of people who are in the real estate market, or I'm sorry, I'm, I should say real estate business, were brought in by a family member or a good friend because we all, we all are about relationships in general. So fast forward to 2016, my dad, I would always send him uh, my Hispanic clients on the west side of town. I was born in Mexico City, but it's not my first language. So whenever I had a, a Hispanic client come to me, I would always like send them to dad and dad would take care of them, but we didn't work together anymore. Um, but in 2016, right before my daughter left for college to Hawaii, my dad had, we didn't know what was wrong with them. We thought it was a stroke. We weren't sure. And literally he did real estate doing transactions up until the day he died. And from basically, I want to say September through October, uh, we thought he had had a stroke. I was with them at the hospital pretty much the entire time. And it turned out to be something called CJD. And if you've never heard of CJD, it's super rare. Most people hadn't. I hadn't up until that point. One in two million get it. And it's basically like mad cow disease. So my dad went from with where we thought he had a stroke, he went to not being able to speak, not being able to walk. And basically on Halloween of 2016, I was with him when he took his last breath. That was a tough day. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's until you've gone through it, you don't, it's hard to tell somebody that is going through it if you haven't been, what it's like to lose a parent, but we all, I mean, you know, it's a fact of life, but what happened to my husband and I right after, um, so my dad died on Halloween, the very next day, my husband's uncle that he was named after passed away unexpectedly alone. That was tough. And then the following day, my stepmom's mom passed as well. So we had three people pass in three days, completely unrelated followed by within the two months following my, my tata abuelo who lived with my dad had um, passed. And then one of our agents passed from cancer. So in the period of two months, I had gone to five funerals, planned four of them, did the eulogies and did all, you know, cleaned out households. And it was a tsunami of grief that I mm -hmm. went through. And during that time period, I really, you know, had to start kind of questioning what life was all about and what was I doing with my life. And, you know, I, 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 it shouldn't be that something so grief filled happens to figure this out. I, I, I'm certain other people don't need to go through all that in order to create a grateful heart. But literally, I turned my grief into gratitude and I created the most beautiful life for myself with my husband since that time period. You know, we had basically realized that there was a lot of things we wanted in our lives that we weren't doing out of fear. And now I'm not afraid of things anymore like I used to be. We now own a cabin up north for the last few years that, you know, we always said we didn't have the time, we didn't have the money, we didn't have this, we didn't have that. And after that, we just said, you know what, we need to go after what we need to go after to make our lives better and be happier in our own lives. And we did. And then I got baptized in the ocean in Hawaii. Don't, that is a whole nother story. And I don't think we have time to share about that. But that is actually in the closing of my podcast, I show the video of, of doing that. And right after that, I learned how to surf. Like there's like basically nothing holding me back anymore. And it was really like, I found love in my heart and I just wanted everybody else around me. I guess maybe I just finally realized, you know, tomorrow is not 
promised. And when you live your life every day realizing the gift of just being here, what it is, it is so much easier to have compassion in your heart and kindness for others, and maybe a little bit more patience when people are making you crazy, because um, we all have bad days. But when you're there to truly help other people just do better in their lives and just believe in themselves. I, and I started like listening to a lot of people like Brene Brown and Dr. Joe Dispenza and getting into really interesting topics like Dolores Cannon with um, past life regressions and, and just really trying to kind of figure it out, whatever it is for each of us is different. But I started praying every night and I started meditating on a regular basis and exploring all these other things to make me elevate my own, I guess, What's the good, best way to describe it is just having, you know, I learned how to have a grateful heart and now I'm trying to share that with others and the act of doing so has only elevated myself and quite honestly, my business. Last year was record business. I never thought I'd hit those numbers that we hit with my husband and our team and our agents and I know it's because I'm always giving back and I'm always putting our clients first because I know the rest will follow. And just doing that and living your life in that manner of abundance and being willing to share, like everything on that cheat sheet, it was really funny when Curtis asked me about it. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to, but you know what? I'm good with sharing because I know there's abundance in this world. So there's eight more great tips that I'm going to give your agents of things to do that will help set them apart from other agents to win you know, competitive bidding wars. And it's just a matter of just truly giving back. So when I started great full heart. I just kept having like this itch of, I need to do something. I need to do something. I need to give back. I need to share more information. So my show isn't just about your real estate stats and how the market's going, but it's meant to be very motivational and to encourage people to explore different topics that maybe they wouldn't explore on their own. So I've had holistic doctors on, I've had Nidra yoga instructors on, I have had psychic people on, I've had appraisers on I've had attorneys on I've like I really try to mix it up because I try to give people back all the things that I find interesting in my own life because it's not all about numbers by any means and people are people and I think when you treat people well they always remember how you made them feel maybe not everything that you said but they do remember how you made them feel so trying your best to make people feel special when you come across and you know just giving a compliment and a smile can get you so far how often are you doing the show? Every week. So every week. So once a week you go out there and what a, you know, what a great story, Rebecca, like w w with all of it, there's, it's funny as you're talking, we, there's, there's so many sim similarities uh, that create change. I remember, I remember when, when my dad passed away like six years ago and, and he was working till the day he died and he wasn't, and he wasn't supposed to pass away. And when that happened too, for my wife and I, we were like, oh my gosh, what's, like, what have we been missing out on? We need, you know, tomorrow's not promised. That's why we, we pulled our kids out of school. That became so much of, you know, one of our books is the five hour school week. And it's the brand of how we decided to like get up and go and like take our kids around the world and try to live every moment. Like it's, it's our last. And then being able to kind of share that for you to share the, you know, the message and that energy with people every week. And it really is cool to be like, no, sometimes you're talking about real, real estate, but you're sure. also just really talking about life. You're trying to help people. You're trying to provide value and the and I'm sure that value did rub off and and now has, has helped your business and helped lives out there and like what a cool way and what, and what a fun thing to be doing right right it, you know my husband calls it my hobby 
most of my hobbies do end up being really good at the end of the day. But, uh, you know, he likes to tease me about it because there isn't a direct correlation between doing a podcast and giving back. You can't quantify how that might impact your business. But I will tell you that, you know, it's a certain credibility that you receive amongst your clients and amongst your sphere that you're out there and you're sharing your message. And it is incredibly powerful when, um, you know, you were just talking it made me think of this quote about, you know, imagine if every person you came across, you treated it like it was going to be the last time you'd see them. How different would that experience be when you're with that individual, right? If you treat them like, oh my gosh, I might not see you again. Well, if, if you treat every, every opportunity you have to experience an exchange with somebody else in that manner, if everybody did it, can you imagine how much nicer our world would be and how nicer we would be to each other? I had a I had an experience of that just this past week. I've I haven't always done death right, and I haven't always treated people right. And that was a message that I learned over time when I got to start experiencing a little bit of death. I had some people mm-hmm. pass away and realize the last time I talked to him, why wasn't it like this? Instead, three days ago, I had a, a friend of mine. You know, they I saw on Facebook he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and I was like, mm. oh my gosh! So then I go look at my phone. And I was so relieved to see that the very last text was when he was in town and we invited him over for Easter and it was just a couple of years ago. So I call him, I get to talk to him for five or six minutes and he's not doing good. And I'm like, right. man, I, I, I you know, can't believe that. We had some great memories, I, you know, and, and he still had plans, right? He still had plans that he was, you know, he didn't think that it was over and he passed away the next day. So I called him with, I called him within like 20 minutes of finding out, get to talk to him for a minute. And he passed away the next day. And it was a great reminder of like, I remember just feeling like proud that I, that I finally did one right. right. Or like the way you know, that we learned well, I just through got that. Chilled listening yeah. to you because, you know, you, you took that opportunity and you didn't let it, you, you didn't waste the, the chance to say goodbye. You didn't realize yeah. you were saying goodbye, maybe necessarily that moment, but he did pass the next day and now you have no regrets. Right. It, it's so much different that you never know when goodbye is going to be. You never know the, the idea of saying this may be the last time you have that conversation or this may be the last time you can text someone back or the last time you can answer the phone if they call. Like you just never know. And what a happier life or we can all be better people if we get to focus on that. I think you're doing some amazing things, Rebecca. It sounds like the, the best way for people we get. You know, so many people are going to want to reach out to you. They're going to want to hear what you're doing. They're going to want to ask you questions about your story. They're going to, they're going to want to hear about your baptism in Hawaii or watch right. your show. So it looks like it's gratefulheart.tv. Where sh- is that the place to find you? Anywhere else that's they should a, reach that's out? That's the simplest place to find us. It's our website is gratefulheart.tv, www.gratefulheart.tv. And then we have links for all the different platforms for whether it's podcast or if you'd rather watch us on YouTube. We do post on our Facebook channel and on Instagram, but you know, everybody's a little bit different of where they like to receive their information if they have a commute they drive on or what have you. Obviously, uh, I also am a real estate broker here in town. So we do have a link on my Grateful Heart to link you over to my personal business website. But um, all of our episodes are on there. We have a little bit over a year behind us now doing the show. And I'm always looking for new um, guests because I do the same thing that you're doing right now is I love interviewing different people to bring new content and fresh content to my audience. It's just truly about just giving back the best that you can. And I promise you, if you're an agent and you're watching me right now, go through the agent cheat sheet because my number 10 item is gold. Gold, it works every time almost. 
Yeah. How awesome. I hope agents are going to see that. The, so agents, when you want to get a hold of anything that's on our special gifts, you go hybendigital.com where you're downloading this. You sign up to get free access to the toolbox. You've got all sorts of good stuff like that. And listeners, go check out gratefulheart.tv. I'm looking at this website and you know she's interviewing doctors on here about self-care, you know, personal trainers about mm-hmm. fitness, you know, tax time. There's like tax time discussions on there with other specialists like from just a range of everything as I'm clicking through and just seeing, you know, God-given success in both business and personal life. A million topics. Show. I enjoy I enjoyed that show quite a bit. I am definitely um, much more in my faith these days. And I'm not talking about religion or going to church. I'm just talking about just connecting with God's source. And it's so important to do that. So, yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that actual episode in particular. But I cover every topic I can possibly think of. I even interviewed uh, the attorney for a cannabis grower last November because it was on our ballot here in Arizona. So, again, when people... To make recommendations. I do my best to deliver. Flower the to the people for. was mm-hmm. that one. flower to the people. Everything you need to know about AZ Prop Two Hundred Seven. I tell you, I'm, I'm looking through this. She does have everything on there. So, real estate rock stars. Thank you for listening today, Rebecca. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegi jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing how to negotiate deals you know how to become an investor all sorts of different stuff rebusuniversity.com and if you want to chat with me go find me on instagram if you come find me on instagram you can send me messages tell me what you want to hear tell me what you liked what you didn't like we try to put a bunch of content out there too you can find me in two different places it's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.